United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. I was looking at the Associated Press story. It was a picture postcard meant to portray unity in the vast and fragile lands that once were French colonies. President Emmanuel Macron standing with the leaders of five West African countries where France has spearheaded a counterterrorism war since 2013. We are all convinced that victory is possible, President Macron said. That was less than two months ago. Today, one of the five leaders has fallen, Ibrahim Boubacar Kaito, the president of Mali, the country at the center of the battle against Islamist extremists, was ousted last week in a coup d'etat. But an unflinching Macron is pressing on, refusing to withdraw France's 5,100 troops from West Africa. And the story goes on. Let us get a sense of what is taking place in this nation, why it is important to you. Uh, because it, although foreign policy doesn't typically play out too much in presidential politics, it is something that is obviously going to be important as we move forward. Joining us now on POTUS is Susan Stigand, Director of Africa Programs at the United States Institute of Peace. She is tweeting at Susan Stigand, S-T-I-G-A-N-T. Susan, welcome back to POTUS. Thank you for being on today. Thanks. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. So help us uh, understand a little bit more the context of what happened. You know, there seemed to be so much promise. Why? Did uh, Ibrahim Boubacar Keita be, go away? Why, why was he taken down? Well, the really the immediate events were a series of discussions at a military base um, just outside of Bamako that ultimately tipped into this mutiny um, and the arrest of both the president and the prime minister. Um, but there have been several months of protests um, that have really been um, an indication of growing discontent across the country over the lack of ability of the government to respond to the extremist insurgency, over increasing corruption, over fundamental failures of government governance, um, the most basic things, education, schools, roads, um, and basic security um, for Malian citizens. And people saw that things continued to head in the wrong directions, um, have taken to the street to protest, and had actually demanded um, that President Keita step down before this mutiny took place. Uh, there were also recent elections um, that took place in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, limited participation, um, and where several of the local elections were overturned in a very controversial um, step, which just further fueled the tensions and the frustrations felt by the citizens across the country. Is there any sense that the pandemic, the coronavirus uh, pandemic, has played a role in this at all? I mean, I think in in most places um, across Africa, we see that the coronavirus pandemic is is laying bare some of the the fragility that exists, um, that the inability of governments to effectively respond. Uh, People see that there's a need for hospitals and they look again and they see that money that should have gone to develop primary health care centers has often gone into the pockets of governments or been redirected in ways that that aren't fundamentally helping citizens. Um, And certainly the decision to hold the elections amidst the pandemic and then to rather dramatically um, cancel the results of of several, a significant number of of the results um, in those local constituencies certainly um, brought these, these concerns to a tipping point. Susan, I, I mentioned that France and the role that they have right now in what has been going on. I wonder what the U.S. role has been and any other major players outside of Mali who have been involved in trying to figure out a way forward here. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the U.S. has certainly been deeply involved um, in Mali uh, in support of the French-led efforts. Uh, there's also a U.N. peacekeeping mission that's been deployed in, in Mali to support uh, the response to the extremist organizations. Um, but the, the lead in terms of negotiating next steps is being taken by the regional economic community, um, the surrounding countries, including Nigeria, that, that takes a very active role. Um, there's also a significant role um, that the, the United Nations will look at in terms of trying to mediate next steps. And there's a real dilemma that's being faced at the moment. Um, there's a norm that coup d'etats are not acceptable um, and that you have to move immediately and as quickly as possible back to a constitutional order, to civilian-led rule. Um, at the same time, it's really clear that President Keita did, did not enjoy the confidence and legitimacy. And so there's a real tension in trying to figure out how to, to, to restore that constitutional order without necessarily going back to, to the status quo prior to the coup itself. Yeah, to the point you're making, it sounds like the military has said it's up to the people of Mali to decide, but they're making the call right now, are they not? Well, this is this is the this is the the fundamental dilemma I think that's being faced. Um, in coups and other places around the the neighborhood, there's been a, a real push to move for the military to quickly hand over um, hand over the role of governance. At this stage in the negotiations, it sounds like the military had shifted to a much longer timeline. There was for reports they were talking about a three-year transition. I think that's probably much too long, um, and, and the, this will be really the fundamental point that will need to be negotiated. The other challenge is, of course, that you know the security sector um, isn't disconnected from the problems that are faced in the country, from the corruptions, from the governance issues. And so in thinking about a response to the extremist insurgency and the violence that exists, there's certainly a security response to protect people in the immediate term. But more importantly, there's a need to address the fundamental reasons that radicalization can occur in communities in Mali. And that takes a different approach. That takes reestablishing a state society relationship, people having confidence that the security sector will protect them, not be a threat to them. Uh, Once again, Susan Stigant with us, Director of Africa Programs at the United States Institute of Peace. Mali's a huge country. I mean, it's what, about 475,000 square miles, something like that. And it's only got about 19 million people. How important is it in, in, in terms of, number one, the region and also in terms of worldwide? I mean, Mali really sits at the heart of the Sahel, um, which has been a, one of the regions that's been most seriously impacted by extremist violence. And so, um, what we've seen in Mali is that it's a, a place where the violence that takes place in the country has now tipped out of the borders um, into other other neighboring countries and actually risks tipping into coastal West Africa, um, countries like Ghana and Senegal, who are longstanding I think, key anchor partners to the United States. Um, They are countries that have upheld democratic norms and elections. They are key um, trading partners as well. Um, And so this, the the overflow of the extremist threat has actually led to a coalition of the regional countries coming together in a military operation that, that stands um, side by side with the French-led operation, so so this is it's getting it right in Mali is is incredibly important to provide a foundation to stabilize and lay the groundwork for a more democratic, accountable governance across the continent. 
And the United States, obviously, you talked about the role, and I wonder, is, 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 are we on it? You know, in other words, I, obviously, this is not one of the issues that we hear an awful lot about lately. There are a few other things that people are talking about these days, but I just wonder, you know, they got it in hand, the State Department on top of this. I mean, give us a sense of the involvement of the U.S. right now and its level of engagement. I mean, I think one of the great opportunities at the moment is this uh, emerging consensus um, in the U.S. government across the various agencies on on what we talk about as sort of the fragility agenda, that there's there's a critical need to take a long-term view, to focus centrally on the state-society relationship, to focus not just on training and equipping and capacitating militaries to fight extremists, but to work on what we talk about as security governance. So the ability of uh, security sectors to work under civilian control and work in a way that responds to citizens' needs and priorities. And so I think if the U.S. government is able to harness and apply some of those fundamental understandings about what works in context, like Mali, you know, granted it's incredibly complex, um, there's a great opportunity. And it's a place where, as you said, um, France as a, a partner um, globally is is leading, um, but the U.S. role is is really important um, for, for reasons that you had talked about earlier. Um, France has... Has, has limited credibility. Um, this, some people view its engagement in, in the Sahel and in Mali as, a, as an extension of colonial times and as a kind of a neo-imperialist agenda. And so there's a real need to balance and step back, allow leadership from the African continent, um, but also to, to make clear that democratic norms, accountable governance, protection of citizens, um, and, and accountable decision-making is, is really a priority and an expectation of our partners. I just feel like sometimes, regardless of the administration, administrations come and go, but there's a constant, which is um, the desire or the, uh, the even the, the, the statement that we are going to be more engaged with Africa, just in general, forget just about Mali, but that never really seems to happen, or it, do, it doesn't seem to happen to the level that the promise is made. Yeah, I mean, I think there have been some really um, encouraging initiatives um, in the past, and, and some of those have, have continued over this administration, whether it's on, on agriculture um, and, and growth, um, the Power Africa initiative that, that supports um, getting electrification so that households can have um, basic services and kids can, can go to school and can study and read at night, um, or the, the Mandela Fellowship Program that brings this brought tens of hundreds of thousands and engage hundreds of thousands of young Africans with um, U.S. partners. Um, but it's certainly an area where where more attention can be be built. Um, it's the largest growing continent. There's It's the youngest continent. Um, the young people on the continent look to the United States as the example that they want to emulate and they're politically active. They want democratic and accountable governance. And they really look to the United States to help to um, develop the system that they understand the U.S. has been able to deliver to its own people. So the expectations are high. The needs are great. The potential is absolutely amazing. So um, I think, you know, continuing to build on what what is there in the foundation is is a great opportunity. Thanks for that forward looking perspective. Susan, thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Susan Stigant is Director of Africa Programs at the United States Institute of Peace. What happens now in the wake of a coup in Mali? She's tweeting at Susan Stigant, Susan S-T-I-G-A-N-T. 
This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.